Let's, uh, let's open our Bibles today, please, to the book of John, chapter 14. John, chapter 14. I'd like to begin reading today in verse number 16, John chapter 14, verse 16. You know, we know that uh, of our Lord's original 12 disciples, uh, one of them, Judas, was the treasurer of the group, and he was always uh, hoarding over the money and uh, he was uh, upset uh, when people would uh, spend money that he didn't get to put in his treasury because he, was, uh, he had a special account for himself out of that treasury. I don't know whether or not uh, in that initial little group they had a secretary that took notes. Uh, they might have. And if they did have a secretary that took notes in the uh, group of the 12 disciples, I could imagine that his notes look something like the notes that I put in your Sunday Courier today. And so we're going to follow that and, and see how that plays out this morning, okay? We're going to begin reading this morning in John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus here is uh, talking at this time to his 11 disciples. Judas had already gone. He left. And he says this, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now, the word helper there is uh, a word that may be different, a little bit different in your Bible. Uh, there are a number of synonyms for that. Comforter, counselor, advocate. And Jesus said, listen, I'm going to pray to my Father, and he's going to give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. Now, this is the Holy Spirit right here. In my Bible, there's a capital S. That means Holy Spirit. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, and he dwells with you and will be in you. And so here we have the present and the future. Jesus said the Holy Spirit here is among us, but one of these days he's going to actually be inside of you, in your very person. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I, I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot. Now there was another disciple uh, whose name was Judas too, and here he is... Uh, he is described as not Iscariot. Judas was a very popular name back in that day, but Judas Iscariot made it very unpopular ever since that day. So here's another one at verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus has answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Now, this is very interesting right here. Uh, Jesus said, if you love me, my father and I are going to come to you and we're going to make our home with you. Now, if the Lord makes his home with you, that means that he's coming home to your home with you. 
He's going to be the Lord of your home too. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which I hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And for those of you who have any margin in your Bible, write this, all things that you need to know. You know, the Holy Spirit teaches us all different things. You need to know some different things than I need to know, and I need to know some different things that you need to know. But the Holy Spirit wants to teach every one of us what we need to know. The Christian life, I think, is kind of customized for every Christian. The Lord doesn't just like cookie cutter us out uh, to be all like each other. We're all different. That's what makes the church so very interesting, isn't it? We think of somebody in the church and we say, well, that person is really different. Well, that's for a purpose. That's the way God made us. Uh, it'd be pretty boring if we're all the same, right? Well, he will teach you all things that you need to know and bring to your remembrance the things that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, and as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of the world is coming, and he has nothing to do, and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave my commandments, so I do arise. Let us go from here. Uh, if, if this little band of disciples had a secretary, and uh, he was listening to all of this discourse this, uh, that Jesus was giving in, in chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Uh, and he was probably taking notes. And whenever he came to uh, John chapter 14, uh, the note probably looked like this. Jesus is going to return for his own. This is called the believer's heavenly hope. You know, we all have a heavenly hope. Uh, the church has always had that. This world is not our home. We're all just travelers along the road. We're all going to another place. And uh, the early church always had that on their mind because, because Jesus said, in my Father's house are many what? Right. And the Father's house, of course, is heaven. And so this was, uh, this was their heavenly hope. It's our heavenly hope today. Whenever Paul was writing to the Philippians, he said this in Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Let's read this together this morning. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. You see, the early church kept reminding their people, listen, we are citizens of another country, and our other country is in heaven, and we're waiting for the Lord to come and 
take us to be with him. And in the process of this, he's going to take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies. Now, that's going to be a pretty glorious day, isn't it? Sure. And so the secretary is saying, listen, our heavenly hope is not in this world. Uh, our hope is in heaven. Uh, the next thing uh, that Jesus talked about in John chapter 14 was uh, our heavenly authority. Jesus expounded greatly about his deity. Uh, whenever Jesus was preaching on earth, they kept saying to him, hey, listen, who gives you the authority to do this? When he went into the temple and he created havoc there, they grabbed him and said, hey, listen, what authority do you have to do this? Well, uh, Jesus' authority was, according to his own word, who he is. And he said repeatedly, time and time again, who he was. And uh, he said in different, many different ways, I am God. I am God Almighty. And so our heavenly authority to do what we're doing in the church, uh, to do what you're doing in your personal ministry, is because of who Jesus is. And Jesus put it so beautifully in John chapter 10, verse 30. Let's read this. I and my Father are one. Now that means one in essence, one in substance. There is no division as far as the essence of God. But there is a division as far as the personalities. And we call that, of course, the Trinity. And so the secretary is writing, listen, we not only have a heavenly hope, but we have a heavenly authority. We just don't do this because we woke up one day and somebody said, hey, listen, you need to go out and do this. Well, Jesus refers to his greater works in John chapter 14 too. That's our greater ministry. You know, I'm sure that whenever, if, if at all, the thought was dawning on the disciples that he was leaving, I'm sure that that would have them in depression. Because, you know, you and I cherish good times, don't we? We think, uh, we think of a particular time in our life, and what do we say? We say, boy, I just wish I could hold on to that. That's special. And even in the church, we have a particular year or a particular three or four years in the church, and we say, boy, this is really special. I just wish we could always have this, this unanimity, this, uh, this direction that we have. We try to cherish these good times, and, and uh, nobody probably could do that any better than the disciples because they had some really good times with Jesus. And so Jesus said, listen, I, I, I want to soothe your conscience by telling you that when I go away, you're going to do greater works than, than what you have seen already. And so what he's saying is your greater work is right in front of you. You know, the ministry of Jesus was confined to one place at one time. Um, but uh, whenever the disciples took the gospel message after the crucifixion, they took it out, they took it to the world. And, you know, we need to look at this too today. You know, don't become a person that cherishes a particular time in history as the good times for you. Please don't do that. I know we're all prone to that. You know, old people get together and they talk about the good old days, right? 1955 Chevys and things like that. You know, they, they think there's no hope. All the cars today look, look alike, don't they? They have no character. But don't, don't be like that. Uh, our greater ministry is right now where we are because the Holy Spirit has something special, not just for you in 1955, 
1965 or 1975, but he's got something special for you right now. He has a greater work for you. And, and, and I think that this is not by accident. Of course, I know it's not. Uh, he says here in verse number 16, I will pray the Father, and he's going to give you another helper. In verse 13, he says, whatever you ask in, ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father will be glorified. How do we get this greater ministry? We get it at least through prayer. You know, it's amazing where you can go in prayer. You can go to the ends of the earth in prayer today. You can go and stand right alongside of Dave and Ann Dedrick in Mozambique in prayer. And you can be their supporter. Greater works than these shall you do through prayer. You know, we passed out that list that you, uh, some of you almost memorized of all the missionaries for, the Christmas pro- for our Christmas offering. And you were praying down the list one by one and you were going there. Greater works than these shall you do. That is greater. You have a ministry all around the world. Uh, and so we have that ministry through prayer. You know, prayer is a, is a wonderful thing, and you and I have had many answers to prayer, haven't we? Three preachers sat discussing the best positions for prayer while a telephone repairman worked nearby. One pastor said, I believe kneeling is the best. No, another contended, I get the best results standing with my hands outstretched to heaven when I pray. Well, someone else said, you're both wrong. The most effective prayer position is lying prostrate, face down on the floor. Well, the repairman couldn't contain himself any longer. And he said, hey, fellas, he interrupted them. He said, the best praying I ever did was hanging upside down from a telephone pole. You know, uh, we argue all about positions of prayer, don't we? You know, will God listen to me? Will God listen to me if I pray like this or if I pray with my eyes open? Uh, That man had some pretty serious praying going on. You know, it's not the position of our prayer. It's the condition of our heart when we pray to the Lord. Are we praying sincerely? Well, uh, and and then look at verse number 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. It's kind of like a verse just kind of dropped in there out of nowhere. And I think what Jesus is saying right here, listen, I'm going to give you some greater works, uh, but uh, you have to pray about these things and you have to obey me. Now, we're having a lot of fun in the church reading through the Bible this year. I'm a little bit behind if that's any consolation to you. I got up this morning and I said, listen, I'm going to, I got to read five chapters today this morning, just so I can get one back on the deficit back there. And I did. But you know, we've been reading, of course, through the New Testament and the Old Testament, and it's just interesting. Uh, In the Old Testament, God says, listen, you serve me, I'll bless you. You, I'm going to pour out, I'm going to open the winds of heaven and knock you down with my blessing. And uh, obedience is important. When we obey the Lord, that's a good thing. Uh, for instance, 1 John 5, 2 and 3 says this, this, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Uh, obeying the Lord is proof that we love the Lord. You know, God wants proof. He wants proof. 
If you fellows just say to your wife, honey, I love you, and you never do anything to back it up, what does she think? Well, right away, she knows, right? That's not real love. The Lord wants proof. And the proof that we love him is by keeping his commandments. Now, 1 John 5, 3 says this, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Now, I love that. How many people do you know say, listen, I don't, I don't want to be a Christian because it's too hard? That's not true. That's not true. Living for the devil is too hard. The consequences of evil are horrific. Uh, here, John the Apostle said, listen, the commandments of the Lord are not a burden to you. They are to direct you in the right way of life, and when you make the right decisions, you get the right result. And God leads us in the paths of righteousness. His commandments are not burdensome. Uh, Matthew 11, I think we have that back there. Uh, 11, 28 through 30. Let's read this, okay? Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Okay, the next page. Take my yoke upon you, and let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. Holy cow. That's exactly what John said in 1 John chapter 5, verse number 3. The Lord says, listen, you get on my side, uh, you, get in, you get yoked up with me, and I think we have a little graphic for this, don't we, of a yoke. Okay, this is what a yoke is. A yoke was a, an apparatus they put around the animals to pull together so that they could go in unison and their work would be more effective. So Jesus said, hey, listen, you yoke up with me. And uh, he said, the yoke that I'm going to give you will fit perfectly for you. And we'll pull together through life. And uh, it won't be hard. It'll be, it'll be relatively easy compared to the alternative. How many people do you know that are behind bars today because they believe the lie of the devil and that the devil said, hey, listen, come and follow me and you can have a good time. Well, I'll tell you what, the best time in all the world is following the Lord. Can I have an amen? That's the best time in all the world. You can go home. You don't have to have a hangover when you get up in the morning. It's incredible. Um, just hang around with a few Christians in the church. That's the best therapy in the world. Uh, well, we hope uh, the Holy Spirit uh, is coming. Verse number 16. That's our inner resource. Uh, Jesus here has said, listen, I'm going to pray to the Father and he's going to send you the Holy Spirit, our inner source of power. Uh, God sent his son Jesus on a mission. Uh, and now that mission is coming to a conclusion. And so now again, the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit to continue the mission through the followers of Jesus. God sent his Son into the world. Uh, God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so originally, God the Father sent his Son into the world to die upon the cross for your sins, to, buy, to die upon the cross for my sins. Uh, and then... Jesus said the Father's going to send the Spirit to keep the mission going. And so the Father's doing a lot of sending up there. Um, sent the Son, sending the Spirit. 
And uh, this is always interesting to me right here. Uh, verse number 16, and I will pray the Father and he'll give you another helper. Uh, the word another here is a very interesting word. Uh, it's the Greek word alos, um, and it means another of the same sort. There's another Greek word, it's called heteros, and, and you're familiar with that word, heteros. Uh, and uh, that expresses a different thing. Uh, that expresses another of a different kind. Uh, but this word expresses another like himself. And so what that means is the substance of the Holy Spirit and the substance of Jesus are the same. Jesus is the counselor and he's sending another counselor here. And the word counselor simply is the Greek word parakletos, which means to call beside for help. Now, I don't know about you, but I need a lot of help in life. I remember a number of years back here in the ministry, we had a Christian school. We had 45 employees. I was always calling out to God for help. I mean, that was like my favorite word. I don't know how many times a day I used that. How'd you like to meet that payroll every two weeks? We did it for years. I was always begging God, help, help, help. Uh, that's a good term for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always came through to help us. Uh, he's our helper. Uh, I like the word help uh, to describe the Holy Spirit because that's an all-inclusive term. In every situation, he comes to our help. He also says here of the Holy Spirit that he is the spirit of truth. Uh, and it also says that the world is not looking for the Holy Spirit, like it wasn't looking for Jesus. You know, when Jesus came into the world, the Bible says he came to his own, but his own received him not. And John 1.11, John 1.12 says, but as many as received him, to them gave he the authority to become the children of God. Uh, now, Verse number 17 talks about the indwelling. He will be with you and in you. Uh, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. We would read that. Have you ever seen that little statement on people's walls, Christ is the head of this house, the unseen guest at every meal, the silent listener to every conversation? How many people have ever seen that? Or That's a kind of... Uh, provocative, isn't it? It's kind of thought-provoking, isn't it? You know, when you accept the Lord as your Savior, uh, uh, He goes home with you. And that's a good thing, isn't it? Our hearts become the temple of God. Ephesians 3.17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Well, we were made in the image of God, but we find ourselves in a fallen state in this world, don't we? One of the words that is used for salvation in the Bible is the word regeneration. I find that an interesting word. A generation means to bring forth. Regeneration means to bring forth again. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we're dead in trespasses and in sins. We need to be regenerated. We need to be brought back to life. The life that God intended in the first place. Titus 3.5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the washing of regeneration. You know, when you and I go out to talk to people about the Lord today, uh, we have to remember the Bible says they are dead spiritually. They can't get it. Don't be condescending. Don't be like... Hey, they're dead, they can't get it. Because you were dead 
and you couldn't get it either. Until the power of the gospel broke through to you and took the blinders off of your eyes. Uh, the scripture says that uh, the spirit will teach us all things that we need to know. The spirit of God produced the scriptures that, that we're trying to get everybody in the church to read this year. Um, and we have several pretty famous verses related to that. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 says this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means breathed out by God. And it's profitable for doctrine, that's for teaching, for reproof, uh, for correction. We all need correction, don't we? For instruction in righteousness. Let's go to the next. Uh, okay, that's the end of that. We didn't get the last. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is good right here. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. And what does that mean? It says, for the prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. You've heard people say, well, you know, uh, we believe that man wrote the Bible. Sure, man wrote the Bible. But it was God that moved upon their heart to write the Bible. It was God that moved through them. And here, that's what the scripture says right here. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. And so that's why we cherish it so much. Uh, among unbelievers, the, the Bible has a tremendous effect. And if you uh, would uh, disseminate the Bible, uh, if all of us would disseminate the Bible more than we do, uh, we'd see a greater effect. Because the world's eyes have been blinded, haven't they? By the God of this world. I like Romans 1.16. Let's read this together. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. It is the power of God, the message of Jesus, the gospel. Um, you know, there are a million and one things that you can talk to people about where you work. The first thing and foremost thing should be the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, the devil always tries to get us off on the peripheral, always trying to get us off on this subject or that subject or this subject about the Bible. Uh, let's go right to the heart with the gospel. Why? Because 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine to them. You know, when the gospel, when Jesus died upon the cross, we have that symbol, the cross. Uh, when you present this, a lot of great things happen that can't happen any other way. So you guys and ladies, get a burden. Get a burden to tell your friends about this right here. Jesus died upon the cross for all of our sins. I'll tell you, that's a heartbreaker. It really is. That explodes the hardness of a hard heart, makes it soft. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, uh, but people who aren't Christians can't understand these truths from God's spirit. It's all foolishness to them because only those who have the spirit can understand what the spirit means. 
you know, only a person who has the Holy Spirit can understand the Bible. You know that? I know that there are people everywhere. They pick up the Bible and they look through it and they say, man, I don't know what people get out of this. It's just one big hard book. Until when you receive the Holy Spirit, uh, you then begin to understand it. I think it was uh, uh, in the Gaminder house, Sharon Gaminder tells the story of whenever she accepted the Lord as her Savior, she stayed up till four o'clock in the morning reading the Bible. She couldn't put it down. Uh, the Holy Spirit was teaching her. Uh, to somebody who just reads it for words, uh, you know, there's not much here. But when the Holy Spirit, the author of the book, um, teaches us directly from the Bible, great big things happen. Um, so many people have testified that when they've received the Holy Spirit, they could understand the Bible. And uh, this last thing the Spirit will bring to remembrance these things. Uh, I think the, the Spirit is still in the business of reminding us whenever we need His help. Have you ever been in a situation where you said, boy, I don't know what I'm going to say, and then you prayed to the Lord, Lord, help me, and then all of a sudden He helped you? And you said to yourself, hey, where did that come from? And you forgot that you prayed. Uh, I think he still does that today. I remember years ago, we would take uh, mission trips down to Haiti. And uh, I thought Dave Bovard was a real character. He was the leader of our group. And we get down there and, you know, he was a veteran missionary director and he knew what to do. But we were a bunch of novices. We didn't have a clue. All we were there as American tourists, you know, what do we do now? And I remember praying so many times, Lord, uh, you got to help me. What am I doing down here? And then all of a sudden, the Lord helped me. And uh, he gave me his words. And uh, he, I think he does this still today. Uh, he helps us in every situation. Well, God has provided all these resources for us. Uh, whenever you read the Bible, don't just read it as historical information. Uh, this is uh, relevant information for you and me today. These are all, this is all for us. Uh, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Bartholomew. Uh, all these disciples are gone. They are gone. We are his disciples today. Jim and Tom and Ken and Jeff and Mary and Sally, we are his disciples today. And so what I want you to do is let these truths wash over you and claim them for your life and watch God use you. Don't be satisfied to be just a spectator in the Christian world. Get out there and become a participant and claim these blessings that uh, Jesus was talking about here in the upper room. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, there are so many things that we've covered today. We pray that you will help us as we look at our notes throughout the week and as we think about, boy, this is for me and this is for me and this is for me. And help us not to miss anything, Lord, that you have for us in our personal ministry and, and in our ministry as a church as we work together, Lord. We pray that you will just apply these truths in the strongest way to our heart and life. 
we pray in the name of Jesus. Let's stand together as we have our invitation today. And if the Lord has spoken to your heart, I'd like to ask you to, uh, to respond in some way. Maybe you'd like to come. Maybe it's been a long time since you've come down and prayed at the altar. Maybe you just need to do that today uh, for your own good. Uh, maybe you need to pray for a friend, somebody in your life that's really struggling. Uh, let's, just, uh, let's just respond as we, uh, as we come now.